0: Hello and welcome to the Cranog Cast. Today's episode, we're going to be sitting down with Cameron and Ian, who is the Cranog Coppice team, and what we're going to be doing is chatting about how they're intending to look after the, the woodland, the local woodland around the, the Cranog Centre, and create a, a sustainable resource for actually being able to build and rebuild and, and repair the the Cranogs, but also the, the Iron Age village that we're intending to build with the Lerb, um with the development that's going on there. So just to get everybody caught up with that, the Scottish Chronicle Centre is intending to move the current museum site to the north side of Lock, uh, a site that's called Delerbe. And what we're intending to do is to actually have a brand new museum with uh, a brand new Iron Age village and uh, everything that we're going to be building and maintaining, that's the key word, maintaining. It's going to be inspired by the the, the woodwork and the joints and the archaeology of 2,500 years ago. This is going to be a re Wide-reaching project with lots of different styles of structure and building, but what that that fundamentally requires is actually a number of skills and a number of resources, and the Cranock coppice team is actually going to be responsible for starting the process of us being able to have enough wood, enough hazel, enough um, larch as it is on the locker. Hopefully, moving to alder and oak, all the timbers that the people used when building the Cranock. So Ian is is the the. Coppicer as such and Cameron is here well he's the Historic Environment Scotland funded craft fellow who will be um, learning coppicing and actually will take this as a as a a piece of, of learning that he can then hopefully pass on and keep going as time goes on. Um, they'll tell you all about it. I hope you enjoy it. Wonderful, so we sat here with Cameron and Ian. Mm-hmm. I've purposely pointed out in the wrong way around, mm-hmm. just to you set, just to yeah, set yeah. my knowledge. No, we're <laughs> sat here with Cameron and Ian, and they are the official Cranog Coppicing team, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys just want to introduce yourselves, if you want.
1: Well, my name's Ian. Uh, I've come in this year uh, initially to look at restoring some of the coppice sites that they have round about the, cor- the Cranog and establishing new and extended coppice sites. Now coppicing is a sustainable way of managing woodlands which not only is good for the trees that you're coppicing, we basically take a species and cut it down to the ground and it regenerates at a tenfold as it was the more that we coppice, the longer the life of the tree. Kind of explain the sustain sustainability part of it. So, within the Iron Age, within the Iron Age village, the majority of the, in fact, all the wood really that's going to be used in an Iron Age village would have came from sustainably managed woodlands. They were pretty ahead of the cell that way. I suppose we went backwards in looking at big money, but uh, it is our the best way to keep supplying wood. Now from the corpus, there's, brings in a lot of stuff. It would include material for charcoal, building material, m- hurdles, fences, and then everyday utilities mugs, cups, bowls, spoons, utensils. So I've been asked to come in. I'm a trained coppicer and green woodworker and Cameron that's with us. is the apprentice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, Cameron is funded by Historic Environment Scotland through a craft fellowship. And over the next year... Uh, is working with me and learning about coppicing yeah. and the different crafts that come out of that. There is a wide range, I think predominantly the coppice and supplying the wood, but from that, depending on, I mean Cameron yourself, what avenue wants to get down, mm-hmm. it could be from big construction to simply sitting carving spoons. Uh, At the moment, we've started off looking at some of the coppice sites that we have. We've been, we don't have things in rotation, but we're looking at putting them in rotation, and we're working. So what does what does rotation mean? The rotation for for an ignorant yeah yeah well the rotation. So I'll I'll speak about hazel. Most people know about hazel. Hazel coppice is if you have seven acres, you would cut one acre each year. Okay. And traditionally, it's about seven-year rotation. We are finding further north in Scotland, for a while, it's probably an eight-year rotation. So each year, we open up the canopy on that one acre. That then allows for a lot more biodiversity. It allows for a lot of dormant plants and different species to thrive
0: for a little while. So by opening up the canopy, you mean you, you go in? We, and we fell.
1: A cop, we, so. we we. we, we we don't clear-fell like you would see a forest that does look like that. We yeah. are cutting right to the bottom. Uh, but that then allows these species to regenerate. Yeah, uh, I, I
0: actually wasn't aware of that from the very start and I was actually on the fence about doing coppicing because the way of climate change and stuff like that I thought it would be quite bad when you say about cutting it down to a stump. I had it then, when I got to learn about it, more actually a lot healthier for the trees.
1: I, yes, no, I, I, if you're coppicing a tree and continuously coppicing it, I don't think anyone can tell us how long that would go on because we don't know when that would finish with a particular, you know, even if you took one tree and started coppicing it every seven years and kept coppicing it, that would keep, keep going for thousands of years. There is, there is evidence to show that. There is evidence to show coppice trees, even down south, that have been
0: going for on 2,000 years. Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, tell me if this is true, because I've got a useless fact oh, about no, hazel. No. I took a visit to... Uh, it was a... It was a big garden nearby. I forget the name of it now. That's terrible. But in that garden, they had a 75-year-old hazel tree, mm-hmm. which... It was was untouched. It wasn't coppiced. It wasn't managed. It was just a hazel tree, and yeah. they said that was actually an incredibly old age for a hazel tree because unmanaged, they don't live as long as if you coppice them.
1: True. That is correct. If True they or false? Don't
0: live as long when, as, when you coppice them.
1: But although a hazel tree seventy five years is old, but they can live up to about hundred and fifty years. Uh, so anywhere between seventy to one hundred and fifty, and a lot of the <clears throat> older hazel trees you do see overstood coppice with, within Scotland, but a lot of the older trees you actually see down by rivers and um, riparian woodlands, where no one's been in their coppice in it. Mm. They will get to a certain height. It's like a big shrub as opposed to a massive tree and eventually they will start to fall over. They do have newer shoots coming through, yeah. but they tend to kind of regenerate mm-hmm. and then sort of move from there. But with the coppicing, if you're continually doing that, you are extending the life of that tree. Uh, yes. Brilliant. But it is an easy one to mistake, because <clears throat> when you look at the vast majority of Scotland at the moment, when they cut down the, the spruce woodlands, and that is really just clear felling. Uh, I mean, there's a need for it, I suppose. There's uh, <laughs> an industry for it. Yeah, there is yeah. an industry for it. But that's those trees dead. Yeah. Uh, most of the, the pine and spruces, they, they will die. Coppicing is generally... Most hardwoods can be coppiced. Some coppiced different from others. So if you look at hazel... The, the, the cutting time is between November till the end of March. You can actually keep coppicing hazel right through the summer. Okay. Uh, it, you can do that. It's not the most comfortable place to be coppicing in the summer. Uh, I just lost my train of thought there. So, that, sorry, yeah, that's with hazel. But with birch, you have to be careful with birch. If you coppice too late with birch, the sap is rising in it and the tree will really just bleed itself out. So you can kill a tree by coppicing it if you coppice it at the wrong time
0: depending on the species. So you've just got you've really if you, if you're you so it's not just knowing about what to do with the wood, you've you've got to have the knowledge of of the seasonality of the, the timber you're working with.
1: Yes, yes, you you do have to be aware of that. Yeah. You do have to be aware of
0: that. It's brilliant. I think it's it's really interesting just to pull it back to sort of the Cranog archaeology here. Um, we are sat in the museum and I'm currently looking at the uh, the charcoal uh, that was found on our Cranog site. So mm. I mean that tied in with the fact that we found charcoal. We found in the original excavation of Oakbank Cranog a whole hazel hurdle,
1: mm-hmm. so a
0: woven panel as such, yeah. um, and then pulling in the fact that when you look at the the what we what we would call as archaeologists the 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 faunal evidence, so the coring and stuff to tell us what plant species are around, it's, it's seemingly very mixed deciduous woodland mm-hmm. that's surrounding these crown sites all along the lock side. I think just the presence of the hurdle on its own shows that they, they had knowledge of, of making hazel hurdles and mm-hmm. if you've got knowledge of making hazel hurdles, we, we can safely say you're going to have knowledge of how to coppice the wood. Yes. Yes. And if you're coppicing that wood, you're you're actually out there managing the woodland. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's 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 a really powerful tool to be able to understand that that coppicing as 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 Ian does it and as Cameron is learning to do it and we'll we'll carry on those skills is absolutely essential and vital to when we build a new crannog.
1: <clears throat> because yeah.
0: if we don't know how to do that, we won't know how to maintain the materials to do that. So this is all pulled into the the, the fantastic um, Dalurb situation where we we want to build a new museum, we want to build a new Iron Age village, but we also want that to be the most sustainable museum in Scotland. Yeah. And the only way for us to do that is, which I think is, a, is an incredibly beautiful message in a way, is to learn from what the people two and a half thousand years ago were doing. Yeah. So, Ian, what is your plan? Now you're with the Cranogs. So so so. You're here for forevermore, potentially. Yeah. So <coughs> the, the,
1: the, pl- the plan initially, obviously we are moving over to the Dalerp site. That build is going to be happening this year. There, the talks and the plans at the moment, that the roof structure and the, the roundhouses are going to be almost be like woven baskets upside down. We will use Hazel for that. Predominantly. It's a really strong wood but very flexible, so you can twist it in. Uh, So, the plan at the moment with the coppice sites is we do have some local sites that we are going to be putting back into rotation. They were started a few years ago, Uh, we are hoping to go back in and get them back going. There is some overstood, some thicker wood in it, that's okay. There's a use for everything and that's So what do you mean by overstood? When I mean overstood, I mean it's been there growing too long. So the wood is getting a bit heavy for using for hurdles. Okay. So uh, it's been
0: coppiced, but it's not been managed, if I mean it's not been
1: man not been managed. That is perfectly okay. <laughs> the, the the larger stems and trunks will probably go to charcoal. You know, yep. it makes very, very good charcoal. So there's there's uses for everything but also when we take that a step further with, with around the the iron houses a lot of the walls and structures were all woven with with hazel mm-hmm. uh i think that's pretty prominent right across the board really but the other thing is the basics the seats uh mm-hmm. chairs mm-hmm. benches mm-hmm. furniture mm-hmm. uh hazel has been used to make furniture for goes away, way back. Uh, so the amount of uses for coppice wood, even just the coppice hazel, are phenomenal. But then when you go into the everyday use of firewood, and again, the building, bigger structures, once we've kind of established back a couple of the sites that we have, we have above the herb, we have a hillside. Long term, the plan for that is to plant up coppice material wood materials that will keep the oak supplied forever more or less if it's continued which I think it will be it will start Cameron, with you listen to that
0: yeah it will yeah. start It'll with be continued yeah I mean I
1: won't be see, here to see the full fruition of what's going to happen over there Uh maybe I will who knows so it will start with basket willow now that's a one year rotation when you start to coppice willow each year you go in and you've got that every year
0: and that's the same process of going in cutting it right cutting it down. right down willow yes. hazel normal willow hazel does thing. it all the same yes the you then step up to the hazel
1: which as i spoke to can be the 78 year rotation you're then going into supplying of the firewoods so you're going to be using a uh, species like birch and alder ash would be lovely we do have a problem with ash in the uk at the moment but i think some you know there is stuff surviving. What
0: is that problem with ash?
1: It's affected by uh, airborne disease, ash dieback. Okay. Uh, And they do reckon that maybe, yeah, they're all dying but what's happening is there is certain trees are showing resistance to this. So there's a lot of background work going on and it has been going on for the past few years. Uh, to establish what that resistant strain is, and they're working on that. So, I I mean, talking about it, people in the UK are probably well aware of the the Dutch elm disease, where it came in and wiped out all the elm. In fact, it didn't wipe out all the elm. It wipes the Dutch elm beetle, attacks older elm. So we still have elm grown in the UK, they tend to get to a certain age before the beetle can, you know, establish itself. It may be something similar like that, you know, where there is, you know, we we do have a lot of ash. Ash coppiced, you're probably looking about 20 to 25 years. Again, if you're managing it, you're trimming off the little branches as it goes up. The beautiful straight poles you can grow out of that for construction. It's the same with
0: older as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking out loud as you're explaining that there. The 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 crannog itself is is built with obviously a large number of older timbers as legs.
1: Yes, you know, for that,
0: yeah. So, if you if you were to go in, <laughs> Camberne really listen to this. If you were to go in and, and properly manage an, an older coppice. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to actually produce uh, a sort of a, a enough workable timber to build the legs of a crannock from it?
1: Yes, yes, very much so. Again, a longer rotation, but the uh, the main reason alder would have been used there. It's very resistant to water. Yeah. You will find it used on piers. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic wood for that. <clears throat> and that they would have known that, and that's yeah. why they would have grown it. <clears throat> Again, I mean, personally myself, the only older I know, I don't know everything, mm-hmm. that is in rotation at the moment is actually in a 12 year rotation down in England. Okay. Now, I know the people that are coppicing that and the reason that the, the work for that, they're actually doing that for charcoal. Okay. Uh, charcoal and being able to manage the woodland to get, so create a bit more biodiversity. It's been getting coppice for about eight, nine years now. And I think even regular visitors to that woodland are starting to see the impact of that. And it's not a negative impact. Initially, they were quite negative about it. Now they're seeing it's been managed properly. Enough dead standing has been left uh, to create habitat. And the wildlife, the so wildlife by, is just to go just, back. So
0: by dead standing, you mean that you've gone in, you felled it, left we, it. We, yeah, well, we when I say dead standing, I usually it's usually a
1: tree that's still in position and still okay. standing. What you can do to actually to kill the tree uh, is to ring bark it. Most of the nutrients come in around the sort of cambium cambium layer, which is on the outside of, mm-hmm. of the tree. And if you can stop that supply, then you 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 know, the tree will die. And it's selecting certain trees that aren't too healthy to you know, it then creates a the habitat for insects. Mm-hmm. Uh, within a very healthy woodland, you're looking at if you have any you're looking at 30% of that the wood in a woodland to be dead. All right, okay. Uh, it does seem it seems like a massive amount. Mm-hmm. Uh but that then helps to create the biodiversity yeah. with the insects yeah. and then you get more birds and it's just it's the yeah. difference is phenomenal when you see it going back to that woodland I seen some of the I, and I spoke to people when I was down there and they were they regularly visit that woodland and walk through it and they were horrified at first until it was explained to them and then nine years later they're like this is a different woodland it's yeah. so alive yeah. you know uh yeah.
0: Do you think coppicing will be a more popular job in the future?
1: I think it already is. We're, yeah. we're all starting to look back now. Uh, I mean, in Scotland, you don't hear a lot about coppicing. Uh, there is now a, a, corpus, a Scottish Coppice Association that's been set up. Yeah. People are starting to identify. And I think what's happened is the smallholders, small landholders small land are aware of coppicing and they're actually coppicing for themselves. Uh, okay. So there is a lot of people coppicing in Scotland,
0: Yeah.
1: just we don't know about yeah, them all, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but they're all starting to connect a little bit now uh, and we're starting to spread that information. The other thing as well, I mean probably most particularly in Scotland, although in Tay, we're okay, we don't have that worry. On the west coast of Scotland there is a lot of hazel woodlands in particular. Which are ancient woodlands? They are. They they are home to I think it's something like two and a half thousand species of lichen. Fifteen hundred of those are you will only find there. Uh, mm-hmm. They aren't protected at the moment, no. but there's a big push on to get these woodlands protected. You know there is enough to be cutting without that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, there is a quite a lot of that. Over in Loch T we're, we're we're quite lucky; we don't have that. It's not that uh, Atlantic rainforest, as yeah. such. You know, uh, yeah. Sorry, i No, no, it's it's. I'm saying tangent
0: you're, you're again, wonderfully, in wonderfully interesting. <laughs> is the word I would use? So, I mean, in terms of the the the, the longevity of the the Coppice project is. Um, what we're trying to achieve is when we build our our roundhouses, we want to make them sustainable. And that sustainability is not just kind of within the actual resources. It's not within the the materials we use, I suppose. It's also within the understanding of where the stuff comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's also Mm -hmm. within the understanding that there is a finite life to these wooden buildings that we build. Mm, yeah. And in fact, it's this, this this more recent step, which I think is is good to learn from the past about, that impermanence is better. We can build things that last for thousands of years, but actually we don't want the stuff that lasts for thousands of years because yeah. that's what's created the, the issues we have. And by looking back at the people of the Cranog in this case, who mm-hmm. are managing their woodland, be it hazel that mm-hmm. we find, be it willow that we find, be it alder be it that we know that it was built from, I think it's we don't have you know a photograph from back then, but but what the archaeology kind of screams towards in a way, is this this well managed, understood, in touch with their environment around them, and we can learn from that, and that's something very that much. yes we want to get across. I think yes. I think as an organisation is that you know there's tons we can learn from.
1: Yeah, I mean when you look at the older and you look at the what was used in the Cranog, right? It's pro- predominant that was used right across. Now, the only way they could have kept using that is if they had the alder in rotation. So if you're looking at a 25-year rotation, depending on the size of the poles you are looking for, they they were already doing that, right? It was established. And, again, say there was 25 acres... You know, hypothetically, yeah. if there's 25 acres established... Each year they're cutting one acre, yeah. so when you go through that 25 acres, each little section is a year older or younger than the last one, and it just keeps that flow coming, you know. They don't yeah. need to wait 25 years for the tree to grow, because within the next acre they've got but that there, <coughs> and
0: it's just yeah. continuous. So yeah, the part I think the point <clears> of <throat> in is that if it's done right, you've always got the resource on hand. Always. It's not a, yeah. uh, people think of, of forestry and that, that, and I'm, I'm, I'm no expert here to tell me if I'm wrong again, but one of the biggest problems, I'm just looking out across now from where the crown Island is and I'm looking at, at <laughs> planted land, shall we say, it's yeah. all, it's all, it's all single species and, and the, I think people think, and it's, it's natural to think that, that, that woodland or, or a tree, you plant it, you've got to wait 25 years. Mm -hmm. There is the saying, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree, In Yesterday. Yesterday. Exactly. Um, And if you can't plant it yesterday, (coughs) you should be planting it. Yeah. Um, But the point being is that actually in in well-managed coppice woodland where those Mm -hmm. skills are being passed on, you don't have that view because you've already managed your woodland. You know that next year you're going to get that stuff, next year you're going to get that stuff. Yes.
1: I mean, obviously, we've we we're we're kind of in a sense start. Although we have some that we can use, we're we're starting from the beginning. So going back to talking about the hazel, where I said it was every seven years. Now, when you plant a hazel tree, you can't really coppice it the next year. You need to cut it back, and it's it it takes about three years to really start establishing itself. So initially, with the hazel, you're looking at 10 years. If we plant over there, the first yep. cut is going to be, the first hazel is going to be 10 years before we take it out of there. Uh, once we get that established, then we're back on the, yeah, every single year. But there's a, it, also, it also joins in with an argument of, clear, there's an argument about clear felling and what they call continuous cover forestry. <coughs> And continuous cover forestry is basically what we are talking about at the moment. Yeah. Even when we cut one acre of whatever species it is, the whole woodland is going to be supported by different species at different canopy heights. Yeah. So at no point, if, if, say, we took on 10 hectares and says that's what we're going to be managing, right, and we're going to plant all the different species, at no point is that ever going to be clear-felled the whole the whole ten hectares? Now, felling and cutting to the ground, there's a great argument for it because there's a lot of dormant plants that then get a chance to thrive and breathe. I think there's obviously... I mean, there is a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, butterflies are a big thing. Butterflies only really travel about 50 metres. And coppicing a woodland... Allows the continuous habitat for butterflies to then you know they'll happily live in that and then they'll just move over there when the next one gets cut and it's the same. I don't know a lot about insects and different species, but it's a it, it's the same right across the board.
0: So basically, coppicing is the way to look after your woodland. You would yeah. say that
1: you're a coppicer, yes. You? Well, <laughs> you yeah yeah, and no, of course I would because I'm a coppicer and I'm quite passionate. But actually, when you look at history. Uh, I mean nowadays when you're looking at that wood there and you're looking at clear fell and it, you're just looking at a cash product you know okay. that is that woodland is I mean we could use some of that for the Cranog of course we can but that would never sustain anything more than profit the only thing that can sustain is profit it's green deserts uh, yeah and it's not even a good environment for people to be walking through and experience nature there's there's, it's it's, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go,
0: in fact, go and try and walk through a, a spruce woodland, you know, forget it. It's it's a, it's a sad, and, and again, it's something that, that we, we do try and get across the message, it's a sad thing that people will look at that woodland and think that it is natural. Of course they
1: do, of course they, they do. do. Why would you it's, know it, And it's so, Why would you do you know, know what, yeah, you would yeah, of course you would, of course you would. Yeah. Uh, the strange thing with that as well, which would be quite interesting because obviously that has been managed uh, at the moment, it's all larches in it. Uh, the quite amazing thing is if you clear, what, what they would normally do for profit is clear fell that and then they'd probably wait a little bit and then they would replant for the next yeah. trees that are going to be a yeah. big cash crop. If they didn't, the question is, what would actually happen? Because it always looks as if there's been some natural disasters.
0: Mm.
1: When you see a clear fell left long enough, that will regenerate as a natural woodland. Yeah. And yeah. it won't be a that's coming into it. Uh, there will be if there's species about, but that would actually regenerate
0: itself. With yeah. it. Brilliant. I'm going off on a tangent. Again. Loves it. <laughs> we love it, Ian. Yeah. He's brilliant. So Cameron... Um, Basically, you're you're with us, uh, through through Hess. You're, you're working with us. You're learning about this. Um, yeah. The end for you. How how much you want to see see it, see this through as it is because it's it's a big project. How old are you, Cameron? Nineteen, nearly 19, twenty. Yeah, nearly twenty. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big <coughs> um, But like you were saying, then for the rotation, um, every sort of seven years for Hazel, which mm-hmm. is what we're going to be mainly working with for the products for the new site of Red Delir. So, yeah, I'm here for the future, really. Brilliant. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening. Uh, that was the ChronoCast and that was Ian and Cameron there. Um cracking set, set I have to say and, and a good laugh as you can probably gather but Ian's done a fantastic job in in, in training Cameron as the weeks have gone on and and I think um, we've got a really cracking team there that's going to do exactly what it says on the tin um, the next episode we, we've got a couple of different things planned and lined up, um, I know Graham's going to be hopefully telling us another story so we'll have another episode around traditional storytelling Um, and there's also going to be a chat with Jason soon as well um, and Jason is our textile interpreter here at the Craddock Centre, and he's an experimental archaeologist as well. And some really interesting work that's been done, um, but thank you, everyone, very much for listening.